Hey everybody, it's Harry. I'm back with another episode of Austin Pudding Presents the Podcast. It is a very cold night in late November when I'm recording this. I don't know, I'm doing well. Doing pretty good. Hope everyone listening is roughly the same. This week my guest is Tiefling, a Boston-based electronic artist hesitated briefly before saying electronic because I wasn't sure which subgenre to use because she kind of hops around a bit but the the album she just put out is called instrumentality that's spelled instead of an i at the front of the word that's spelled with a one like the number one and then how you and then how you would spell instrumentality otherwise after that if you're into ambient I think it's it's really fucking good it's like I, I feel like people who aren't into ambient just kind of assume that that ambient music is very boring and they're wrong they're they're stupid they they these people can't appreciate subtlety that's not my opinion that's that's just scientific fact uh, <laughs> no i'm so i'm a big fan of ambient music even andre 3000 just dropped an ambient album it's funny how like I feel, I feel like being on on x formerly twitter i think everyone assumed andre 3000's album was going to be like a jazz album because he played flute but what we got was an ambient album which was a wonderful little treat from one of my favorite artists but that's you know sort of a useless tangent uh, <laughs> anyway tiefling she's super cool she hopped on the zoom with me and the whole time like she just has such a like a cool vibe about her just uh like personality wise um she was sitting in a chair like smoking a cigarette out the window for like half of this interview just you know you can put that that picture in your mind uh so i was like you know, as soon as she lit up the cigarette, I was like, I'm talking to a really cool person right now. Because smoking is cool. I feel like Polar Seltzer would be mad at me if they were my sponsor. They would be mad at me for saying that smoking is cool. But, again, scientific fact. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. Don't smoke. Uh, it's smoking. I'm glad it exists for, like, for movies. Uh, don't smoke. I'm a, I'm a reformed smoker myself, but yeah, so yeah, yeah, tiefling hopped on, <laughs> so I'm, I have a lot of useless tangents tonight recording this intro, I'll, let's get to tiefling ASAP, yeah, very, very grateful for her for hopping on and talking to me about her various projects, you know, most recently Ambient, she's put out Instrumentality. And she put out an ambient EP over the summer called Music for Cats, also worth checking out. But last year, she put out an album that's more drum and bass jungle. So, you know, she she hops around genres a little bit, which I, I always appreciate when artists can do that, but still kind of still kind of carry themselves with a with like a cohesive identity. You're going to hear dates for some of her shows in the episode, but um, because I'm because I've been doing a bad job at, you know, I've, I've mentioned this like the past three episodes because I've been doing a bad job 
with getting these out in a timely manner because you know life and all that um those shows those show dates have already passed uh but give her a follow on instagram and and she'll be posting about more so sorry to tiefling for that but thank you to tiefling for coming on and talking to me here is my talk with tiefling hello welcome to another episode of alston pudding presents the podcast i'm here with tiefling aka dj teeth thanks for joining Hi, me thanks for having me <laughs> uh we were just talking about smoking cigarettes out bedroom windows it feels real i think it feels real bohemian <laughs> yeah i feel so hard when i do it <laughs> yeah well if they still let you smoke inside like i get not everywhere but i don't know <laughs> i'm old enough to remember when you could still smoke inside not that i was of age to do that i was like five <laughs> but i remember going to restaurants as a kid and being them being like do you want smoking or non-smoking mm -hmm. uh, i remember that like vaguely but I was I was young when that was still a thing. But um, <laughs> let's hope my landlord doesn't listen because uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, does the landlord know you as Tiefling? No, he knows me as Jack, which is my legal name. I'd still use it from time to time, but a lot of people do know me as T for Tiefling at this point. So yeah, we'll just if the landlord doesn't know the <laughs> artist name, then we'll will be safe i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna blow up your spot to your landlord smoke away i'll be openly vaping i doubt he's cool enough to be listening <laughs> <laughs> really this is such a huge podcast we have such a massive massive reach and following global audience sure uh so what sometimes i like to look at the map of where people have downloaded and i'm sure these are like bots but we've gotten we've had some international downloads uh so you know when we when we hit when we hit tokyo i was like ah yes P podcast is huge in japan so congrats on the release of the album instrumentality right yeah thank you yeah i was listening i listened this morning on the way into work uh when i'm i'm always half asleep on this train ride and so it was nice nice like nap time music but then i listened again throughout the day just to kind of get uh so you're focusing because um the first thing i heard by you came out la last year uh dj Teeth's burner phone which is much more in the the dnb jungle arena and that made our um Austin Pudding's best of Boston albums list. But this, you know, this year you've released uh, two more ambient projects as Tiefling. Yeah, so it's really different from the material I was doing last summer, that's for sure. I There was definitely a conscious effort to do something different. I get a little bit bored of repeating myself. Um, and I have all these different interests. I love ambient music. I love noise music, just like I love drum and bass. So I I could never just do one thing. <laughs> yeah. And so is that, do you like try to put things out under a different name if it's like that drastically different from the other thing? I don't. I like to have everything under one label because I think that that is kind of an interesting thing that I do. I'm not really 
tied to genre, so I don't think my project name should be either. Uh, the, the way that DJ Teeth came about was that um, I was nervous about the songs getting taken off Spotify because some of them have uncleared samples. It, so yeah. I created a separate moniker so that um, hopefully all the rest of my Teethling material stays safe if there's ever an issue with DJ Teeth. DJ Teeth who? I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, I, I mean, you know, the business of clearing samples is so, like, murky and oftentimes like risky if you just want to get your music out but that album is so fun like the samples in that are so fun uh i had a lot of yep. yeah <laughs> we we won't have we won't get into any specifics you know just for uh <laughs> i could bleep them out uh, <laughs> and people can go in and, and guess which ones we're talking about but uh to any listeners definitely check out DJ Teeth burner phone. Also, maybe one of maybe from my favorite album cover from last year. It's Thank just you so like <laughs> like can you describe the the image? So it's um a series of pill bottles because I had been kind of started. Basically, what you might find in Tiefling's purse was kind of the idea behind it. So there's like a a grinder. There's some pill bottles that are like estrogen and spironolactone. And then there's a tiefling lighter, and at the center there is a burner phone that uh, was a kind of prop I used for a lot of the DJ Teeth's burner phone album, which seemed to make sense to me just since it's kind of like it has a bit of a vaporwave ethos to it, even though it's not really a vaporwave album. Mm, I can see and, that. Um, just kind of in the ways that it uses nostalgia and references. The past in a way that we're just always kind of recreating the past, ontology, Mark Fisher, all that sort of stuff. And then, um, yeah, there, there's the kind of anonymity and vaporwave and the references to outdated technology. So a burner phone kind of seemed mm. like a good thing. And, some of that. and it's a flip phone, too, like that. Yes. <laughs> but it's not one I, of the it's not like one of the heavy duty ones. Not at all, no. It's like a $15 phone I got off Amazon. And I was using it as a prop for some shows last summer. I haven't been doing that as much since then, but that's because the album's a little bit in the rearview mirror at the moment. What's a what's a tiefling set look like? It kind of depends. I so I my preference is to be able to do a little bit of everything that I do. Some of like the weirdo indie stuff, some of the DJ Teeth's burner phone, kind of silly electronic stuff. Uh a noise song or two and some hyper pop and that's kind of like i think the best way to get the full experience of what it is that i do as an artist but i also end up on bills where it's all electronic or hyper pop artists or all noise artists or all indie artists or all djs so like if it's something like that i'll kind of try and cater my set to the bill i've done dj sets i've done noise like all noise sets i've done all hyper pop electronic sets when needed but i love to do it all if i can that's always a preference nice yeah i uh i'd love to check that out sometime to see all those different areas that you you bring yourself to um i will plug my next <laughs> show then um 11 11 at the rabbit hole absolutely a pretty exciting show that um I put together through Deep State Booking, which is my new booking organization. And it's um, a few experimental artists from Portland that we're bringing down 
from real computer people and then a whole bunch of weirdo locals and um i'll be doing my thing nice who are the weirdo locals that'll be there we've got ksrmr on the bill we've got so so gutter we've got uh my good friend brick gnarly doing a back-to-back dj set with vim um pandora virus and hexhead and i believe that's it for the locals byproduct was supposed to be on the bill but unfortunately had to drop but we love them too uh, yeah i actually don't know a lot of them so i have to check them out gonna put a special plug in for ksrmr i really 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 love her music there's not many artists i know like her she does some really cool stuff with um audio visual uh work and textural noisy synth pop it's great i love it nice so back to you and uh, specifically i want to take some time to talk about instrumentality um so what what was kind of when when did you start making those songs so it was over a year in the works um the first song i started while i was on tour last summer uh with a friend toy drones who's based in the bay area and we were just messing around i didn't like have any idea that it was going to be a part of any bigger project Mm -hmm. at the time um and then when i got home from that tour i painted a painting that was the first of the sigil paintings that took a part in the physical exhibition that went along with the album um and again i had no idea that that was going to be the part of anything else either um then in the fall after dj teeps burner phone i was trying to decide what my next project was going to be and i had in my head this idea that it was going to be more of an indie leading project because i wanted to do something different from dj teeps burner phone and i hadn't written anything with a guitar since or released anything with the guitar since maybe 2021 when that used to be like a lot of what I did so um I really wanted to try and revisit that sound but trying to write an album of new indie material ended up a little bit like pulling teeth and I wasn't really having a good time so I think maybe around October or November I decided I'd focus on this idea I had for a noise project instead and the idea was originally like 10 songs 000 through 999 all like ambient noise textural stuff that like connects to the like oh two 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 that's manifestation four 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 that's like connecting with your deeper self or what, mm. whatever like on all those corny angel numbers, angel numbers stuff but um yeah so that was around the fall and then i kind of decided that that was a little bit uninspired and i could come up with my own set of numbers that are a little bit more creative than like one 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 two 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 although there is some of that on the album i was gonna say it does end with one 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 yeah or the second to last so there's the the outro i decided that i should instead do numbers that seemed powerful to me rather than just doing zero 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 through nine 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 and zero 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 one 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 six 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 some of these do seem powerful to me but um yeah I, I just felt like I could get weirder with it if I picked my own numbers. So that's where like one zero eight zero one and seven two two seven and all this other stuff came from. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, so this 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 album artwork is this uh is this one of the sigils? It kind it kind of looks is reminiscent of like the artist representations of like biblically accurate angels. 
So the album art is not one of the sigils. It's um, something I edited, but it is using a biblically accurate angels. And then I, I used some AI generation tools to kind of expand upon it. And um, the idea of the new project was like the core of it was angels, numbers, angels. And when I departed from the zero, zero, zero through nine, nine, nine sort of thing to instead do a set of numbers that seemed powerful to me, I thought that the numbers should instead correspond to different angels. So each of the songs on the album is supposed to be a different angel. And the idea is kind of, yeah, like the internet has replaced our God, uh, the Christian God, that these new angels that are really prominent in pop culture at the moment like i feel like i'm just constantly seeing memes of biblically accurate angels they've returned to us but they're not orbiting the christian god anymore they're orbiting our new god ai and the internet etc interesting when i listen to it again tomorrow i will probably keep that in mind it's a, it, when i was listening through it felt like um like it felt like a score almost for like a, a like a dark sci-fi movie so I guess oh, that's yeah. sort of that's sort of somewhat in line with what you're <laughs> what you're describing. Speak speaking of it is mid October. Uh, are you a spooky season fan enthusiast? I I certainly am. Last year I did a uh, three shows on Halloween weekend and it was oh, one of my yeah. weekends ever. And I'll be doing a bunch more shows around Halloween this year as well. I'm actually about to go on a tour through. The west coast yeah most of those shows are around or close enough to halloween that i'm going to be wearing a tiefling costume with um like black contacts and uh elf oh, ears and all stuff sick uh that's a the name is another thing i was gonna get to later but yeah that's 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 sick how have you been i mean other than you know releasing an album that very much fits the season like how else have you been sort of getting into the season as it were any horror movie recommendations because that is all i've been watching like the past like month <laughs> unfortunately not really i have been a busy body recently um there's been a lot of shows and then everything with the installation breaking down the installation playing through it a few times out in salem and getting ready for this tour i have not had all that much time to be a person yeah that's fair i watched blade recently but um hell that's yeah not halloween and not halloween movie i don't think it's, i mean it's it's, it's vampires close. yeah it's, it's vampires i don't know there's you know any movie with a blood rave is yeah was, right. I, that was one of my favorite scenes that was such a cool scene yeah i i mean yeah i've I fucking love Blade, so <laughs> that that's a pretty suitable pick. Uh, have you saw, seen Blade 2? Because that's also really good. We thought about watching it after, and then we decided we had enough Blade for the night. Uh, but maybe while I'm on tour, after I'm back from tour, I'll get I'll get to that. But yeah, uh, so the name Tiefling. When when uh, so it was Dylan from Austin Pudding who first like turned me on to your stuff last year um with djt's burner phone and so i was like immediately kind of you know caught my eye because that's like the the race that i always choose in D. &D. <laughs> uh uh 
are you a D player so i played D a good bit when i was younger i haven't played as much recently the name was suggested to me by a friend um before tiefling i released music as boy talks and the idea behind that name was kind of like toy box because i was using a lot of like toy like instruments like mm. a little kind of broken kalimba and a ukulele like instrument and um shakers and yeah just a bunch of toys not really like serious instruments but um i'm transgender and when i started to explore aspects of my gender identity a bit more i kind of felt a little bit conflicted about having my project be named boy talks even though it was never boy like boy i i thought people might interpret it to be that so um I was also kind of feeling like I had maybe reached the natural conclusion of that project. And I was trying to come up with a new name and a friend from college suggested tiefling. And it immediately felt very right. Um, a lot of the time recently, I've been feeling like sort of almost human, but not fully human. And I, I thought that tiefling kind of encapsulated that human like sort of quality of how i've been feeling recently um if any listeners yeah. are unfamiliar uh tieflings are like the half are like half demons mm -hmm. they have like horns and maybe a tail and kind of elf-like ears weird eyes often like red or purple skin or stuff like that yeah so i've I only just begun my trans transformation with the eyes and the ears i feel like there's there's more to be done there in the future if i want to more fully become a tiefling when i perform <laughs> yeah that would look crazy as hell on a halloween got this demon playing this noise music i've been trying I'm there to, yeah I, I got these colored contacts scleras and they cover up like past the iris like you can only kind of see oh, the yeah, yeah. like the, the all black ones yeah and um, let me tell you, they are uncomfortable. And, <laughs> That's what um, I've heard. Practicing wearing them, practicing putting them in, since I don't wear contacts regularly. So putting but them. They're in also probably not like prescription made to your because don't aren't contacts like more fitted to your eye shape? Yeah, no, these are not at all fitted. So it's I, like, I don't wear contacts. Big or I don't know. They're they're uncomfortable. I got to do all my makeup afterwards, which. Mm -hmm. If, you've, if anyone who's seen me perform knows that I like wear a good amount of makeup, so it's difficult, but it's worth it. And um, I think it adds a cool element to the performance outside of music. Yeah. It's also probably pretty trippy to like talk to someone who's wearing those. <laughs> like, uh, I, yeah, I, have heard that they're really uncomfortable because I had looked in for years. Like I've wanted, I love Halloween. I love doing a costume and I've, for years I've wanted to do like 2d from gorillas. And, and especially on those early albums, he has like the all black eyes. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, Oh, I bet I can, I bet they make contacts like that. I know they make like solid color, all eye contacts. And I like, I, I wear glasses as you can see. I've I've never worn contacts because like the uh, the eye appointment in like eighth grade when I I got them like the the optometrist was getting so mad at me because I just like 
I don't like stuff around my eye, and so like I hate it. I couldn't it's keep so it open. It's like psychologically terrible to just yeah. like force your eyelid open and shove something under it, which that's not, um, yeah, that's you got to do. <laughs> and so I was just like, yeah, honestly, if these are extra uncomfortable, like <laughs> contacts are already very uncomfortable for me. And yeah, yeah, that woman was very mean to me, and she was like, when you come in tomorrow, <laughs> you you better be able to do this. And so I like practiced all night doing it so I could do it, just so I could go in the next day to the follow-up appointment, prove to her that I could do it, and then never wear them again. <laughs> I was like, there, I did it. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, definitely uh, hope to see you in the, the contacts. Kudos to you for putting up with that. <laughs> it's even worse to perform it and like there's just wearing them and then there's also trying to like set up gear and a bunch of wires and like cables while wearing them not fun but um worth it <laughs> uh so back back to instrumentality for a bit um so you had talked about how each song is kind of like representative of this of of an angel um do you have like kind of specific things that those angels represent in mind or like are do you have like specific angels that you like kind of wrote out characteristics for or like thought out characteristics for not particularly um yeah like the i the idea was that they're just each I mean, like the original, like biblical angels, they were like protectors and messengers for God. And so the idea is that their role is kind of the same here. And there's still like a whole bunch of them. They're just protecting and messaging for our new God, the internet. Um, but they're not like necessarily supposed to correspond to like seraphim or whatever, um, but instead to just kind of be their own thing. When I was making the songs, it was just like, what do I think a biblically accurate angel would sound like? So I'm just thinking of like these massive 10,000 eyed tendrilous beings, like a whole bunch of wings. Like, what does that sound like when it's just like floating and existing? Um, mm. And then I would try and create that. That answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. And it's interesting, too, because I, um, I don't know, I, I'm not religious but i like I, I like i read the bible a lot because like i went to like catholic school uh it's probably why i'm not religious <laughs> i was, was literally joking about that with a co-worker day because she also did same thing she's like yeah i'm not religious because i went to catholic school um but I, i'm i'm pretty sure that like in the bible when these angels are just it's like sometimes they're described as like too mighty to behold i feel like and so it, it's kind of cool like that like taking it from the the sonic angle where it's like like it's not something that i can even like lay my eyes on it's just something that i have to experience through sound uh that's really cool yeah i heard like in the intro i i thought i there's like a little like fluttery almost like breathy whisper talk uh and it's it sounded like latin to me i don't know if that was yeah. actually <laughs> so that is an asmr video i found of um the first lines of the book of genesis being written uh being read 
in a whispered tone in Latin. And then I processed that a bunch, put some like reverb and stuff on it, put some weird pitch stuff. Yeah, because the album does take a lot from like biblical imagery. And again, the idea is that like a lot of these things have just been transported from Christianity to internet, pop culture, this new God. When I was thinking through the idea behind the project a little bit more, I was just thinking about the ways that angels are depicted in art. And like, as you mentioned, they are described in the Bible in these two different ways. Like there's like the human form and there's the biblically accurate form that's like the impossible to comprehend sort of thing. And if you look back to like art history, I mean, through like the Renaissance and through early United States history with like Manifest Destiny and shit like that, you see angels depicted a lot in Western art but mostly in the kind of like human-like state. And then in my head, I was drawing this connection. I felt like around, you know, the death of God, when um, it be Christianity became just a lot less of a part of everyone's daily lives in the late 1800s, early 19th century, you kind of just stop seeing angels depicted in art. Until recently, they've returned again in digital art and like weird experimental music and stuff that exists on the internet. So yeah, that uh, that's kind of the full thought process of the angels have returned to us, but they're orbiting something different now. Mm. Can you uh, like sort of explain when you say, when you say like internet is the new God, how have you kind of like come to that conclusion? On the first level, it's just that that's the thing that the angels seem to orbit now. And that was their role as protector and messenger of Christian God beforehand. And now the place that you see them, the place that you interact with them, the place that they exist is largely on the internet. So yeah, it's kind of what the, these creatures are now orbiting that makes me get to that conclusion. But it's also just the ways that the internet has become incredibly pervasive. This thing that connects us all in a similar way to what religion did when it was really like the staple of everyday life in the United States and Europe. Um, it's everywhere. It's pervasive. It's unavoidable. It connects us. It brings us apart. It's just um, very whole. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. It's certainly become this like monolithic thing that it's impossible to go through your day without being online. Maybe a like somewhat privileged thing to say in like a country with a bunch of electricity and so true. Wi-Fi networks everywhere. But yeah. And certainly is is divisive and but also like such a cool place to I don't know, find things that you wouldn't otherwise be exposed to. The internet, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful, terrible thing. It's connected me with just so many people in different places. There's a new project that I started over this year that I, I mentioned briefly earlier, Deep State Booking. And uh, that's my new booking project. And it's mostly centered around Boston since I'm here most of the time, plan the most events here. But it's also just really like any show I book, I'm now calling Deep State Booking. And um, through Deep State Booking, but also just through the internet, I've met so many people in so many places. Like I'll, I'll shout out my friends in Montreal, uh, Echo 64, Davida, and Willy Wave. 
I think like Gavada followed my account for the memes. Maybe 2021. And then responded to one of them. And we got talking. And we're like, oh, you make like hyper-pop-like music. I make hyper-pop-like music. We should do a show together or something, something. And I kind of thought that it was just like, yeah, we're talking about this, but it probably will never happen. You know, they'll probably never like book me up in Montreal or something like that. And then a few months later, they hit me up and they're like, we're planning something in July in Montreal. And uh, do you want to come play it? And I went up and played it and made some great friends in in Echo 64 and in Montreal. And then we played together again this year. I brought them down to Boston this year. And none of that connection would have existed if it weren't for memes and the internet. It feels yeah. like a very silly thing sometimes, the amount of time that I spend on Instagram promoting my art, trying to get people to like engage with the things I create and take me seriously. But also that time has created really important and lasting relationships and legitimate professional opportunities. Nice. I was I had looked up your Instagram to try to find some examples of memes, but I didn't get far enough down. Yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff on there. I have had some difficulty keeping my account up over the years, posting stuff that doesn't comply. So I recently removed a lot of my memeing over to a separate account just to kind of keep all the art stuff safe, just like with DJ Teeth, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I can't just not be a weird troll and do these freaky things I want to do. So I'll just come up with like a workaround so I can do it that doesn't get some of my more serious art or platforms at risk of being taken down. <laughs> yeah. I I made a burner account recently, like a second account just just so I could like stop having a close friend circle and just have an account where like I post all the memes and shit that I would post to my close friends. Cause I like Instagram to me is like very that's where I post my pictures. I promote the stuff that I do. Like I'm not I know it's social media, but I'm not really I don't really want to be there all the time. Like it's yeah. like a like it's a actual place to hang out. But I do like talking to my friends too. So and they're all on there. <laughs> so I'm being difficult with them and I'm just forcing them to follow another account of mine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like no one like really wants to be there and everyone has to be for different reasons. And I try and make the most of it and have fun with it. Yeah. But um it can be pretty miserable and at times like pessimistic when you're like scrolling through the site and just seeing how people are all yeah, no one wants to be there and everyone's just trying to like sell something or make some dream happen. And it's at times beautiful, at times really sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh I I my favorite era of Instagram where, cause it used to be my favorite app because what it used to be was just a silly little place where you could share your silly little pictures with your silly little friends. And that yeah. was a beautiful thing. And, you know, we can blame Facebook and stuff for making it second Facebook. <laughs> the other thing about the internet is that it's like this vastly constantly changing thing and like the internet of 10 years ago feels vastly different than the internet right now like we don't have yeah. twitter anymore at least not in the same form 
and you know instagram's facebook now and <laughs> and tiktok yeah <laughs> and yeah and tiktok's around we briefly had vine which like rest in peace sweet sweet prince you were <laughs> too good for this world <laughs> i was thinking about that recently like 10 years ago and like I guess the ways things have changed. And I feel like the internet we have today was like being born 10 years ago. Like I mm. think of the way that um, I saw Death Grips perform and their music was very much like born out of the internet in a way that I don't know if anyone else really was beforehand. But mm. then since then, like so many artists have kind of, you know, like artists were tied to a scene. LCD sound system was mm -hmm. based out of New York grew out of that scene and uh modest mouse was based out of the pacific northwest and etc but um now you have these artists that are kind of like international phenomenon that like no one knows them on their own scene because they found an audience through the internet and yeah, yeah. I, I feel like death grips is the first artist that i can think of that really kind of did that and that was 10 12 years ago but then since then, it's just like nonstop with these internet artists, like yeah. 100 guests and too many to name or count, really. Yeah, I, I know. I definitely know what you're saying about Death Grips because they were they were very much like it was almost like they they came on the internet first and then the music came. I don't think that's that's not I'm not trying to describe literally how it happened, but that's almost how it feels like they were like almost like a, a meme first and then it was like oh no this is like a band you know there's also around that time like odd future is like like they're like they got big through the internet you know and yeah. it had been sort of happening since like the mid 2000s but like i think around that time i think you're right where it's definitely like this is a, a very viable way for a band that's like not signed to like a major label like it is possible to sort of get big through tumblr or whatever like how odd future got big and then just a few years later you have like brock hampton and they all met on a kanye west form online like they weren't friends beforehand they met through the internet and became a pretty internationally successful boy band yeah all like all like 40 of them <laughs> and I... not to mention anything but like lil nas x like he mm -hmm. started out on twitter and tiktok and found literally the like pinnacle of like pop success through memes and TikTok and Twitter. And that's kind of a beautiful thing and kind of a horrifying thing, but I love him to death. So I'm going to say it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I, I mean, not obviously not at every, like there's a huge like saturation of artists. I don't, I will never say there's an oversaturation of artists because like, I think more art, the better but like it is you know a better way to say what i'm trying to say i think is something that i like when i find out that people aren't into like whatever their local scene is i'm like a mat like whoever your favorite artist is there's like one there's somebody you know within like unless you live somewhere really you're rural but like if you live in a city like there's someone like within a short drive of you that is like making art that you would fucking love uh it's out there and then you know like 
you add in the internet to that where you have access to like art music visual art photography film whatever from all over the world and like i don't know why people don't aren't more actively searching for that yeah i feel the same way i get really sad when i see people complaining about their scene or about like new music sucking it's like there's literally so many artists out here you're not looking hard enough mm -hmm. um i do think that that is tough in boston i i felt a really uphill battle when i was trying to get my footing on the scene um and like i make some indie music but it does boston in the underground scene and in a lot of like the local cultural institutions eyes like indie is everything it was a little bit difficult to like find bookings and get my footing and get people to like engage with my music just since so many people are kind of into that indie basement underground rock singer songwriter like etc berkeley for lack of a better word sort of sound um but i think that that honestly has been changing over this last year i've seen some really cool events happening many of which i think i booked um <laughs> have been bringing more of the weirdo noise and electronic mm -hmm. that does exist all around boston and putting it in front of audiences who are actually engaging with it so that's um been exciting and hopeful for me yeah because it uh, does exist like all these types of music they exist everywhere it's just kind of about making building that scene and giving the people the places to perform and introducing people to others and like making these connections happen between artists from different styles and universes and everything yeah that's awesome but yeah but i mean boston can sometimes feel like a like a tough city for specifically like what like electronic subgenres just because those types of music the fans like to be out later and you know boston is not like a late night city yeah it's really not <laughs> yeah but you know i uh like i always want to support like boston artists in general but like specifically artists who are working within you know whatever subgenre of like the very broad vague term electronic uh whether it's like ambient noise dnb jungle house techno you name it like there are people here making that stuff a lot of and... really 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 talented and exciting artists as well like i'll also shout out fear.com i'll shout out pleasure coffin mm -hmm. like some really 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 talented and unique people in this scene and um i'm really happy to see that some of them are kind of starting to get more of a chance to show that in especially underground spaces and like i don't know like nice fest for example there was a lot of artists i love and adore on that lineup but there was not that much sonic diversity it didn't really look to me or sound to me like what the boston underground sounds like which is like mm -hmm. a lot of more hardcore and metal music a lot of noise a lot of hip-hop and electronic music it was um largely a very indie festival which um again i feel like that music gets the spotlight enough of the time but i'm bitter <laughs> <laughs> you know i hope 
that and other festivals that already exist uh, continue to expand their lineups uh, as they hopefully keep growing. Like, I want to see them continue. Uh, but I've also been very happy to see more festivals in Boston pop up in the last few years, it feels like, that just, you know, that aren't Boston calling. Uh, Did you happen to see anything about Mean Fest? Mean Fest? No. Fest. That was um, one of the first kind of major events I did with Deep State Booking and uh, Trendy Shit Town. And it was kind of a little bit of like my meme response to Nice Fest. It was like noise and hip hop and electronic music and hyper pop and a lot of the sort of stuff that I felt like was sort of lacking on that other lineup. And also we had no proximity clause uh, Nice Fest kind of enforced a pretty aggressive proximity clause that told local artists that they couldn't play for two months and for 90 miles if they wanted to play the festival, which I think is a bit heavy handed when you're talking to an underground artist, you know, if you're if you're booking Weezer, sure, give them like a, a 90 mile radius clause, but telling a small DIY underground band that they can't play in Providence Northampton, uh, Hartford, Worcester, any of these places all summer pretty much rubbed me the wrong way. So we, we did Mean Fest instead. And um, it was a great time. Everyone got paid well, no proximity clauses, lots of the sort of music that isn't platformed enough. I saw a full crowd of people listening to Threshold, a really experimental, noisy project. And um, it was one of the best things I've ever seen. You don't really see like a full crowd of like a hundred people engaging with noise music very often. Mm, that's true. Did you get a chance to look at any of the paintings or the sculptural work that kind of was associated with the album, the stuff that was on display at Shoebones? No, I didn't actually. Where is Shoebones? I haven't I haven't heard of that. So uh, Shoebones is a outsider slash queer focused art gallery and consignment shop that opened up in Salem in January, run by a friend of mine, Frankie. Shout okay, Frankie. yeah, I, I remember you mentioning Salem. Frankie's the best. I love her. I love Shoebones. It's a really lovely space. But yeah, when I was writing the album, like I, I, I started to come to this point that I it's like, okay, how do I present this material to the world? That's something I think of a lot is um, framing and like how people are going to interact with a song or a piece of artwork. And I had all these ideas about the album that like, okay, yeah, it's these angels that are making the noise. And then on top of that, I made it in a way that I probably couldn't really recreate any of it live in a way that would be compelling to listen to and also if i do it live and you see me up on stage and i'm just like twisting knobs and stuff like that i felt like i would become the focus of attention what i'm doing up on stage rather than the angel that is supposed to be producing this noise mm -hmm. so i came to the conclusion kind of early on that i really wanted to present this material as an installation since i wouldn't really be able to do it live in a way that made sense conceptually and would be compelling but i'm not really much of a visual artist 
and didn't really think I'd be able to find any space that would be willing to exhibit work that I had made since, you know, I didn't go to art school or anything like that. But pretty much right as I came to this conclusion that I needed to present this material as an installation, Frankie announced that she was going to open this art gallery that specialized in queer and outsider art in Salem and that she was looking for people who wanted to do solo shows. And it felt like very much just like a, a sign, mm. right place in a right time sort of thing. So I reached out and she said yes. And um, for the month leading up to the album release, there was an installation that was on display in Salem that included 13 paintings, each of which go along with one of the 13 songs on the album and a central sculpture, and then some uh, projectors and other various lighting sort of doodads. Hmm. Yeah, the idea was to try and create a place where people get the right experience from the album, where they can get into that headspace where they think of these objects and these sounds as the associated with these otherworldly angels, and like the whole exhibit kind of being maybe an altar or a temple to our new digital god uh, was was really the idea there. So that was unlike anything I've ever done before. It was a lot of fun and it was really exciting and it was really scary. But um, yeah, shout out Shoebone, shout out Frankie. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool that you got to do that. Right. You found a space for it. Thrilled and thrilled. Uh, I wanted to, abrupt segue, do you have a cat? Because you've made ambient oh. music for cats. So let me sh show you this real quick, actually. I do not have a cat. I have wanted a cat for many years. But, but um, there was a cat that lived at my house named Blue. Shout out, Blue. He's doing good. He's in New York now. He's lost some weight. But I don't get to live with him anymore. But we had this sign on the door saying, don't let the cat out. <laughs> and sign is now on my door <laughs> joke being that i'm the cat um i relate a lot with cats i identify a lot with cats mm. i don't know this this just this thing of like trans girls being cat girls and that's me i'm a cat girl i love cats i have a pair of cat ears uh, but do not own a cat at the moment i've been thinking seriously about adopting one after i get back from tour once i get a job again and i'm able to afford a pet yeah you should i've all i'm in the same boat i like really want to adopt a cat but every time i find i'm like browsing like you know adoption listings online and i see one and i'm like i gotta go for it like this is my chance i i get an email immediately or like an hour later that's like ah oh, this cat was already adopted and i was like didn't take down the listing <laughs> like i found one that was named Harry. And I was like, that that's a sign that I got to adopt this cat. It's got the same name as me. <laughs> and sure enough, like, you know, an hour later, it was like, yeah, this cat was adopted yesterday. And I was like, come on. And that's <laughs> happened like four or five times in the last six months. <laughs> and I'm like... I ran into a stray cat the other day that had no collar and was outside so i'm like pretty sure it was a stray and i seriously 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 considered bringing that cat home with me but i wasn't totally sure it was a stray it could just not have a collar maybe it has a chip instead i don't know mm -hmm. um so i didn't feel like i should just take it and then also i 
am about to go on tour for two weeks, so it seemed like the wrong time to make a decision like that. Yeah, that uh, that cat might might freak out alone. <laughs> You're like, yeah, hey, I you know, I picked you up and I like put you in this new environment and have a good I'll two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I also used to live with a cat named Tuck, and he was truly a himbo cat like just just gorgeous just so handsome dumb as a stump (laughs) just not a not a thought burdening his his pretty little head he i watched him i was lying in bed and you know like he the window against my bed like the what is it the, the what is the middle part called of a window is that a lattice I I do not know. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, that middle part where like the two sections of window like kind of meet and there's like a little abutment from the window that's slightly in front. I was lying in bed one night. He comes in and he he starts eyeing up this window and like I'm looking at him and I can tell that he thinks that that tiny space where the two windows meet in the middle. I can see him eyeing that up. Like he thinks there's enough room there for him. And he just, and I like, he starts, you know, getting ready to like jump. And I'm like, dude, dude, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Like just whispering, like, don't, don't. And sure enough, he jumps up and like smacks into the window and then like lands on the bed and like, on his back and then like flips over and like like walks it off like nothing happened and i was like dude i like i saw that whole thing and he was like no you didn't (laughs) he's sweet he's he's i see him every now and then Mm. Uh, and he like he gives me like he gives me so much sass now like he he spent every night with me for a year and and now when i see him he's like Oh, it's you. Did we know each other at some point? <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, just somebody I used to know, huh? What was your <laughs> name again? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so that's so rude. We were besties for like a year. And <laughs> and now you just act like you you barely know me. Like like I can't explain to you real estate how like yeah, our lease ended and we moved to different places. <laughs> and if you were my cat, I would have kept you. Him arriving in that apartment was kind of like, like a sign. I not maybe not a sign. A, like a, a really funny coincidence, because his name's Huck, like named after like Huck Finn. The day he first came, was introduced to the apartment. I was on acid, and I like I had I had been reading Huck Finn on like oh and it was like on my nightstand and like this cat this like kitty walks into my room and my roommate was like this is huck and i was like no fucking way <laughs> oh my god yeah one day we'll both have our cats and we'll be happy and yeah. finally yeah um i have had a few people tell me though that they've played ambient ambient five music for cats for their cat um and it seems to be getting good ratings. So. Yeah, so how are the reviews? They're harsh <laughs> critics. They are. They're like, they're a tough crowd yeah. for sure. 
They demand a high standard, and that's why I like them. Because they want the best out of you. See Tiefling at uh, the rabbit hole, is it? The rabbit hole, yeah. Uh, uh, I guess 11, 11. on Instagram or something if you need to figure out where that is. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, DIY then you keep keep the privacy of the space sacred. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, any last plug, I would just say thank you to you and Alston Pudding for giving my music a platform. I've been working really hard recently, and I really enjoy doing what I do. Getting to talk about it with someone really is lovely, and I cherish it. Um, the album is something that I poured a lot of myself into, and definitely not like anything i've ever done before so if you want to hear something weird check it out uh instrumentality out everywhere one instead of an i at the beginning you'll find it yeah check it out it's i've listened to it like four times today and <laughs> we'll probably continue listening to it tomorrow cheers but, yeah <laughs> tiefling thank you so much for talking to me about your your music your visual art random things thank you for having me yeah and hopefully i'll uh see you around soon in person at a show hell yeah all right everybody thanks for listening thank you to tiefling again thank you to ethan thank you to alston pudding i don't know when the next episode is going to come out i'm gonna be honest but i'm not i'm still not ending season three it's just going to be the season that keeps going and for a while like, this was episode 43, I think. And my goal for season three is to hit 50. And rather than, you know, try to work on a rigorous, rigid release schedule, I would rather just keep the season open until we hit 50 episodes. And, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe the 50th episode will be the, the finale. We'll see. It's been a good season so far. I, you know, I love doing this show. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, you know, until next time, I'm Harry. Bye.